I told Josh we got to record this because we're in the middle of a conversation about the speed of technology, and it just reminds me of the VCR blinking at 12 all the time. All the time. Said, Brian, can you set the VCR all the time? My my grandparents and I, were that I way. set the VCR. Yeah, my grandparents were that way. Every time I went over to the house, the VCR needed to be set because I only went like twice a year, and it would always be blinking. And it never lasted because as soon as like the power surges or something like that, it goes out and back to 12 noon again, or 12 a.m. Just 12. This this <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna talk about the speed of tech, like in innovations and how fast things move now, and other related topics today on Curiosity Continuum. Hey everybody, this is Josh. And this is Brian. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry-innovating, non-traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine and mix essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and you want to dive deeper, please visit us at curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in and let's start the conversation. So Josh was sharing some of the cool things that are happening in the computery world. You have to understand, folks, there's a little bit of history here. You know, Josh, when I went over to his house, he had... The faster computer, and then I had, a, for a very brief moment, the faster computer than him, and then he had a faster computer than me. His was always driven by his love of gaming. There was always, especially like, you know, what's the rig that can, you know, give me the best effect for my gaming? Yeah. And he also is the one that built a machine for me years ago. Like, Josh LeGrew himself built me a PC, and that thing lasted through college, and he built it, I think it was almost around, like, either beginning of high school or, like, eighth grade, and it was, it stayed with me. It endured it was awesome yeah so this is when you have to understand this is when when building your pc was not common like this was when you couldn't just go to pc part picker and pick out the parts and it would tell you if it all worked together no yeah you actually had to do your research had to go on to new egg because new egg was around back then believe it or not it was very new um and i that was like the only really to buy amazon didn't have it there wasn't other real websites you could go to a store, but the store's prices were astronomical compared to online. So I did a ton of research, and I was telling Brian, I could build you a computer for 500 bucks. And one day, this I remember this well because, believe it or not, Brian, it was, uh, it was you were in school because you had just moved to Nashville. And one day, I, get a, I, I didn't even know this was happening. I get a letter from Brian's mom, and there's a check for $500 in there. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, you said you could build Brian a check. I, I go, well, I guess I better do this now. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, yeah. So, I mean, I I put the 500 bucks in my account and I ordered the parts. And I think I got it to like 495 or something like that. Like right, right about 500 bucks. And like Brian said, that thing stayed with him for many years and it worked. Yep. For many years. And this is like this is one of the first computer Josh built. This was like the second computer Josh had built, in terms of yeah, like several computers. Yeah. Yep. You know, and look, if uh, if you listen on past episodes, you'll know that Josh's dad was one of the kind of the leading personalities in the Minnesota area for doing all the computer things and the networking and all the stuff. And Josh did a better job than all the people he was able to hire at the time. And so, first 
first in line, front row seat. Josh got all that experience that some adults would have killed for. And he's just doing it on the side in his garage. Like, no big deal. But huge deal because he's doing all the things. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I was just having fun. You know, for me, it was just a fun hobby. And, uh, you know, after I got married and kind of life started happening, I kind of fell out of it a little bit. And I fell out of it just basically because of financial reasons, because it got expensive quick to uh, to want to be in the PC world. And so part of the reason we're kind of like recording this episode is because I finally got another PC. I don't have it in my dirty little paws yet, but it's coming. And uh, it's a, I just skipped the, the training wheels and went right to a straight, uh, straight, you know, high end gaming rig is what the kids call them nowadays. Um, because when we were kids, it was like, this is my computer, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, but now it's like, oh, this is my gaming rig. Cause you can have a computer that's just, you know, a couple hundred dollar machine, like a Chromebook or something. And it does everything that, that my computer did, but it won't play games. And so now we've got it to the point where we have names for different levels of computers, you know? So this is a, a pretty good machine for me. It was a friend who actually built it and was selling it and every offer he got was lowballed and I felt bad for him a little bit, but I also thought, Ooh, this is a good opportunity to kind of sneak in there and I can get it for a little less than, than re and I did get it for a good price. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get back into this. And so I've been researching again, getting back into, I never really fell totally away, but I was never totally on either. And now I'm starting to see the incredible world of tech again, and especially the cutting edge tech. And so I think Brian wanted to get into kind of like just talking a little bit about how fast some of this new innovation is happening. How fast it is, yeah. And then also, like, I just want to stop and, and go back for a minute. You know, yeah. when you talk about becoming an expert in something and the 10,000-hour mark is kind of the mark where people say, well, if you have 10,000 hours of experience, you're an expert in something. Well, people got to realize that Josh was an expert probably before he graduated high school in everything computers because he lived it. He was with his dad in the summers working on it. He did many other things on the side. And it was one of those skill sets that, you know, I think had he grown up now, if he was doing what he was doing now, what he was doing back then, you know, with the common modern tools that we have today, like he would have a very, he would have had a very different arc in his life, I think, because he would have recognized like, man, this is a really valuable skill set. I think that part of the thing that was weird was that it's almost like, Josh, you ignored that whole part of your talent skill set for a good part of like especially starting off in your career it's like yeah i know to do these things but i'm going to do this over here and it was almost like you know yeah. you took it for granted i don't even know if it's i take it for granted i just thought it was like not special you know and i just thought well this is just something i'm i do on the side i just do this right it's like if somebody could fix a car like oh they can fix cars well i can do that too but i can do this too so it was just something in my house it was common to be able to just work with tech and I know that um, it's not now because I remember I'll tell a quick story that somebody I remember said to me one time, Josh, you got to come over after work and help me with my, my computer. Got a really bad computer problem. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, this thing is like just borked and I'm going to be there for hours fixing it. Right. I get there, sit down. Guy grabs me a beer. He's like, I'll get you a beer. I'm like, OK. We sit there. We're looking at it. I'm like, what's wrong? He goes, how do you minimize this window? <laughs> I'm like, that's your bad computer problem. I came all the way over here for a beer. <laughs> and that's, I go like this. And I just click the little thing. He's like, oh, 
cool. Thanks, man. Lifesaver. You know, fist bump. I'm like, okay, that's it. <laughs> you know? But I realized really quickly that some people understood technology when it all worked. But not everybody could get it to do what they wanted it to do. Not only could I get it to do what I wanted to do, but I could build it to be that way, too, for other people. So people would say to me, hey, how do I get it to do this, this, and this? I'd build them a PC that would do that for them. But it wouldn't do much more, but it would do what they wanted. And I was really good at picking out parts and doing this stuff for the cheapest price that they could. I mean, I got to the point where I could build a PC for just a few hundred dollars that would run pretty much everything that people wanted. Now, if you wanted to go crazy and get like your gaming rigs and stuff, because those were back, graphics cards were brand new. Like at first, we didn't even have graphics cards. They were just whatever your PC put out, that's what you got, <laughs> you know? And it wasn't until like 1996 or seven, real graphics cards started becoming a real thing. And so it's just very interesting that like Brian and I were at this birth of this tech and to now 20 years later, 25 years later, where it is, it's actually amazing. And the amount of stuff that we're able to like push to a, a computer screen. I mean, Brian saw my first PC, our first PC that had monochrome monitors and all that stuff. It's like, this is what we're playing games on, people. It's four shades of yellow, you know? <laughs> or if we were real lucky, five shades of green if you had the if you had the the green monitor. I mean, I remember the first color monitor I ever saw and it blew my mind. I was like, this is cool. Like, oh, I can, these are all different colors. I was telling my dad and he's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just like one of those things though. It's like, you just don't understand until it, it, you hadn't had it. Now you got your phone. We got all this other stuff. That's incredible. I mean, I got a retina display on my phone. That's basically a 4k image that now, because my eyes are failing me, I can barely see anymore, but <laughs> at the same time, it's incredible, you know? And so I'm like. I'm like, this is incredible to me that what once took up a whole room is now in this just little palm of our hands. You know, and if you're of a similar vintage to Josh and I or a little bit older, you've seen this innovation come in. And so like people, especially like who have specialized in development or, you know, kind of made their career in coding, they've seen almost like the centuries of innovation that have crammed themselves into like 25 years. It's really remarkable. And... So you have that historical view if you know like 20 years of time. It's actually kind of crazy. Right. But until you see like my children who are, you know, I try to make them as wise as they can and understand history on things and stuff. But they come in, it's like, well, yeah, the iPhone. It's like, well, they've been around since the <laughs> iPhone has been on the earth. It's like, what? Wait a minute. No, that wasn't right. a thing. It became a thing in your generation. It's like, well, yeah, like the phone. It's like, yeah, no, like. Josh had the first cell phone, and it was called a cell phone back then because it was cellular technology, and he like was the first friend that had it. And I was like, ooh, look at the Nokia. It's really shiny. You know, It was like kind of clunky, but he had it, and he carried it around. Yeah. I thought he was cool. Put it in my pocket, you know, and it looked was this huge, like, it looked like I had like 10 candy bars in there, you know? It was like, <laughs> but I remember, and, and I also want to like, this is the thing, like, it's not just like, this episode is not just like what we remember and how fast it's happening, but because of the speed of it, I think that it's really a cautionary tale type thing. Like, human beings have only had this technology for such a short period of time. Like, if you go back in history of, like, you go back to, like, cavemen, right? Somebody at some point figured out fire, right? 
how do I make a fire? And they did it. And then nothing happened for like thousands of years. <laughs> so everyone got used to the fire. Yeah, we can do this. It can burn a whole forest down. You can do this with it. We got real good at fire. Well, then all the, like if you fast forward to like the 60s, when all of a sudden we get a transistor and then a micro transistor in the 70s. And then from there to now. The technology, it's like a hundred thousand times what the fire was. If it was just starting off as fire, it would be a sun by now, right? We could build the sun if that we were in that same arc with fire. But that's the kind of technology we have. And that's the, the re it's like important to understand that we still are just new with this stuff. And we should probably be a little more cautious about how we use it. And Josh, I love the analogy of like if we had, if we used a fire analogy, like we could build the sun, because it's yeah. it is that magnitude, and it's how it affects your life, and how it it's other things are in orbit of that. What's interesting about this too is that when you've seen even how tech has changed industries or made entirely new industries, how business operates, yeah. how everyday life operates, how governments operate, how banking operates. There's obviously like you look at some industries, you know, that are still kind of lagging in their tech innovation or adoption. And that's clear. Correct. But human beings have been a certain way for millennia and you don't just automatically switch overnight. Now, Josh was saying that as he was reading about some of the new tech, some of the dynamics of it, that people like there was people actually holding back the innovation because they were making chunks of money. And now the, the right. innovation is accelerating a little bit. Could you just share just a quick snippet to catch people up, Josh? Sure. So I was just giving Brian the example of like graphics cards. So right now, for example, in NVIDIA's line, we're at the 3000 series of graphics cards. They are powerful machines, are powerful devices. Like they can up a 4K image at like 120 frames per second. No problem, right? So 4K, everybody knows it's all the new shiny, right? But now they're talking about 8, 10, and 12K. And so they're thinking like, oh, and everybody's like, ah, 4K is good. Yeah, for your house. They're talking about like, you need to go to the movie theater or you go to a concert and you see those big screens. They want to project that image on those big screens. And we just can't do that today for this kind of quality they want. So the next graphics cards in the next year or so are going to be like 10 times. And then the ones after that, they're already projecting are a hundred times as powerful. And I told Brian in the next five years, we might look back at some of this display technology and not even remember what a TV was because it's going to be completely change our, the way that we consume entertainment. I, I really believe it. And it's, it's going to be kind of a scary world, but it's going to be a, a fun world to be in if uh, we can all kind of hold it together, you know? That's... The- and I want to call that out because being able to hold the technology and not just like my phone in my hand, but what does that right. mean? I think Josh and I look, yeah. we've talked about this recently because, um, you know, he said, you need to rewatch minority report, which Tom Cruise kind of has a hot streak again, just because of when we record this, you know, new movie coming out and, you know, he's had a great arc of a yeah. lot of movies over his career, regardless of what you think of him, you know, as a person, person or, other kinds of things like he really is a celebrity who knows how to love on his fans and makes great blockbuster movies. He's got a skill at it. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Those things. Um, where's I going with it? Oh, so in minority report, like it's kind of like what happens like when the tech outpaces, not only like the human sensibilities, but what it actually means in the outworking, you know, like what does it mean if like machines can decide 
like if we're worthy of something or not, you know, like we're going to do something or it's predicting something. And in that movie, you know, there's a major flaw kind of in how it's done. You know, there's people exploiting the system. Right. And we have to remember that at the speed of tech, there's people driving it. Now, though, very soon machines will help innovate on machines. And then it's even going to be even more parabolic about what's going on. Right. Because they don't work at our speed. Right. So, I mean, a, a computer, if could think for itself, it could innovate hundreds of thousands, millions of times if it was, you know, as like people. So like everybody always talks about the thinking machine or AI or that kind of thing. You know, you watch The Matrix or Terminator and you get kind of frightened about it because <laughs> everyone's like going to be like, well, they're going to figure out humans are the problem real fast. Right. But it also is you got people like Elon Musk who talks about the melding of man and machine kind of, and everyone's like, Oh, I'm never going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. But what he's talking about is a way for people to survive. Really? That whole idea of if the computer thinks that I'm, I'm obsolete, what does it need me for? So like what Brian and I are trying to say and trying to like talk about is what about the idea of us like coexisting with these things? And them realizing they need us, and we realize they we need them. And so I really do feel like how we treat this thing as we create this thing, we might not be creating our replacement, like a lot of people think. And we have an opportunity to, to either treat it badly or treat it good. And I know that people are good. Like deep down, lots of people are good people. You always have bad people. But you got to treat things with respect and you got to treat things that are well because you never know when something is going to be like you know treat you the way you treat treated it back so i i just say urge caution on every front <laughs> and make sure make sure we have control of it until we can't yeah you know i think you know josh has a little bit more glass half full view on it i have more of a in some regards like for human motivation glass half empty i'm going like People are screwed up. <laughs> and whether they're trying to be or not, like I yeah. have my own screwed up in this. The compounding effect of that, even unintentionally, becomes like a major problem when it starts to like inflect. So to Josh's example of if we had fire and we could build a sun, you know, if you had like a sharpened stick or like an Apache helicopter or like a fighter jet, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of power in the yeah. hands. And so when you walk into that kind of power without understanding what that actually means in terms of the things it can like rot, not only in lives, but in the world. Everybody should pause and go, am I moving at the speed I need to be in order to keep up with the speed of this so that it doesn't take control of me? That there's still a human element involved with all of that. I think it's probably a good thought to end with, huh, Josh? Yeah, and also ju that we are kind of what we make each other. So if we treat each other right, we treat each other well, and we don't always do that. Humans treat each other poorly all the time. But I really think it's an opportunity for us. We got to look at it like that. We got to look at the opportunity to change. And that's what is kind of exciting, too. So don't be that person that can't set the time on the VCR five years from now, whatever the device is. <laughs> you know, stay educated. Uh, I know. I even feel like I'm going to be that person sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, we're going to have a. I remember when I used to be a tech expert episode, and we'll do that in five years from now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, this For is sure. Brian. And this is Josh. The curiosity Continuum.